Well, I, I invite you now to turn in your Bible uh, to the book of Mark. So you can use the black Bibles that are right there around your feet, uh, or, or one that you have on your phone or brought with you. Mark chapter 3. It uh, should be on page 838. So we're continuing in our series that we're calling Knowing Jesus, seeking to know the Lord Jesus better and better, and, and we're actually in a little uh, section where we're taking four weeks of that series to look at four different emotions that come out powerfully in the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, we looked last week at the emotion of compassion. This week we look at the emotion of anger. Uh, in the Lord Jesus and, and see what this teaches us about his work for us and his work in us. Uh, well, let's, let's read together from Mark, Mark 3. Uh, we'll read the first six verses. Speaking of Jesus, again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out. And his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him. How to destroy him. Well, let's pray together. Lord, we pray that you would be pleased to use your word. Lord, encourage and strengthen and teach and challenge uh, even us here, your people. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you like to be friends with an angry person? Would you like to be friends with an angry person? Would you like to be parented by an angry parent? Or married to an angry spouse? Of course not. Right? Some of you have actually walked in roads like that. And it's hideous, it's awful, it's destructive, it's damaging, it's painful. No way. Okay, let's, let's ask a different question. Would you want to be friends with, parented by, married to someone who never gets angry? Never. Ever for any reason, gets angry. Would you want to be friends with, married to, parented by? Um, imagine you're five years old. Uh, you're playing on the playground, and along comes the, the neighborhood bully. And he starts picking on you, mercilessly. Uh, first it's words, then it's threats, and then it, gets, it starts to get a little physical. And your mom is there. And she's watching the whole thing. But she doesn't get upset. She doesn't get angry. She's just, eh, 
Would you want to be parented by, friends with, someone who never gets angry? How about this question? Would you want a God who never gets angry? Sometimes people will make that, make that statement. Uh, you know, I, the God of the Bible, he just seems so angry. I believe in a God of love. Uh, maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've pondered that. Uh, lots of things you could say. But here's, here's one thing you could say, one question you could ask. Do you really want a God who never gets angry? A God who, who looks uh, with clarity on all the darkness and ugliness and evil of this world, the very darkness, ugliness, and evil that, that bears down upon you and makes things hard and painful, and, and God sees all of that, and he's just, eh. Would we want a God who never gets angry? Here's the, here's the trick with all of these things is that the vast, vast, vast majority of anger that we ever see in our lifetime uh, is destructive anger. Is anger uh, that's ugly and unrighteous and unjust and makes a mess of everything. And so it can be hard for us to even picture how someone could be angry in all the ways we need them to be and none of the ways we don't. Angry in all the ways that are good and none of the ways that aren't. It's hard for us to even fathom that idea. Enter Jesus. Enter Jesus, who is fully God and fully man. So he's fully God. So we look at Jesus and we see the exact heart of the true and living God. And we also see someone who is fully human. Uh, so has the full-orbed humanity that we have, yet none of the sin. Which means, as we've been seeing these last weeks, uh, the full-orbed emotional life of a, of a human, uh, but without all the bad and with all of the good. Including things like anger. So we'll take a look at Jesus, and we'll see, we'll see anger perfected, angry in all the ways we need him to be and none of the ways we don't, uh, and how it's actually, for, for those who are trusting in him, very, very good news. Uh, for Jesus' work for us and also Jesus' work in us. Well, let's, uh, let's take a look. If, you have, if you're looking at the outline on your, uh, in the bulletin, uh, I use two headings here that I actually stole from other people. Uh, so the, the, the first two headings are Anger Communicates and Anger Motivates. Uh, I, I, I stole those from a book I've been reading, really fascinating, helpful book called Untangling Emotions. It's written by a pair of uh, really smart Christian counselors, and, um, and, and they use these titles, among other things. Uh, but, but they use and, and flesh out these headings, so I'm going to just borrow it because it's so very helpful. Um, okay, so first, Anger Communicates. Mark 3. So Mark 3, here is, here is Jesus. He enters the synagogue. We've seen already in the Gospels uh, that Jesus has been entering many synagogues. This is what he does. As he goes from town to town, he enters synagogues. In the midst of teaching, he also encounters people who are sick, brought to him, and he heals them. Uh, well, here he is in this one particular synagogue, and he encounters this man with a, with a withered hand. 
we're not given lots of details. Uh, maybe it was some kind of injury. Perhaps it was something he was born with. Uh, but but in some form or fashion, is in one of his hands is crippled. Is is essentially not very useful at all. Can you can you imagine what it would be like to walk through life like that? Uh, some years back, I was playing soccer and I I broke one of my thumbs. It's a goalie hazard. Uh, anyway, I broke a thumb and I had and I had a cast on my hand for just a week, uh, but never could have pictured how difficult and frustrating life becomes when you can't use one of your hands well. Like like the simple tasks of you know, putting on your shoes, getting dressed. It, it becomes a whole project uh, when you can't use one of your hands. And here's someone, I did it for like a couple days, a whole lifetime? And in an agricultural society where you made your living and survived with your hands. And here, it, it, so much he can't do. And now, now he is in the same place at the same time with Jesus, the one who heals people like him. Uh, you could imagine uh, this is this is an opportunity for his whole life to be transformed. Uh, but there are other people in the room, other people in the synagogue. Uh, later, we we read that they're Pharisees, this group of religious leaders uh, who are known for being the right the holy ones and. And they're watching Jesus, verse 2. Watching to see if he would heal this, this man. Not because they're excited this guy's life could be transformed in an instant. No, they're watching Jesus to see if they have an opportunity to accuse him. Right, Because it's the Sabbath day. And according to, to their traditions, uh, if you heal on the Sabbath, that's doing work. And so you've just broken God's law. So if they can, if they can witness this, and other people witness this, then they have they have an accusation. They can accuse Jesus. They can expose Jesus as a lawbreaker. They can tear him down from his position of his reputation of respect and honor. And guess what? At the same time, they look a lot better. They're restored to their position of prominence uh, in in the in the, the town. But of course, Jesus knows their scheme. Uh, and he calls the man forward. Verse 4, uh, he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? Right? He, he knows their scheme. And they're talking. They're thinking, ah, we're going to get Jesus as a lawbreaker, breaker of the commandments. And Jesus essentially says, okay, you want to talk law? Let's talk law. Uh, what, what does God's law actually say? And he, he, not your traditions, but, but what does God's law actually say? It says things like, love your neighbor, love God, do not kill. Uh, so the law says, do good, save life. So you see what he's saying? He's saying, actually, I'm not the one breaking the law here. You are. You are. Right? Uh, this, this suffering man, right, to love God, to love him, to save life, that would mean healing's a good thing. Exactly what should be done. And here you are, uh, to rooting for something else? You're the lawbreaker. And he challenges them with this question, right? Let's think about the law. And they're, 
they're silent, absolutely silent, right? No, uh, no repentance, no like, oh, wow, you know, no, silent. And Jesus takes in their hardness of heart, and, and how does he respond? Uh, well, verse 5, Mark tells us, he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. Jesus is angry. Now, now notice that, that Jesus' anger here is, is saying something. It's, it's communicating something. Uh, all anger communicates. Uh, it, it, it declares something. It says something. Uh, it, it shouts forth this thing that I'm angry at. This is not okay. This is not good. This is awful. This is wicked. This is evil. That's what anger says. Uh, and here's Jesus in the synagogue, and he's, he's angry, and that anger says something. He's, he's communicating, this that you're doing here, Pharisees, that is not okay. Right? Your hatred of this man, uh, you're, you're viewing him, his life, his suffering, as, as just a little tool in your scheme, as just a, a pawn in your game to advance uh, your own greatness and, and glory. Uh, that's not okay. That's evil. You're, you're twisting of God's law uh, to, to, to glorify you and not glorify him. That is not okay. That is evil. Uh, his anger communicates. Communicates what is wrong. Uh, it also communicates what Jesus loves. What Jesus loves. Uh, we, we tend to think of anger and love as being polar opposites. Uh, but actually... Actually, anger is always an expression of what we love. Anger is always an expression of what we love. It's just a question of what we love. Uh, right? So, the, so the, the sinfully destructive angry person, uh, the ugly, abusive angry person, in his anger, he is expressing what he loves. It's just what he loves is not the person in front of him. He, he loves himself. He loves control. He loves uh, to be exalted and respected no matter what it costs anybody around him. He loves those things. And his anger is, is expressing that powerfully, loudly. I love this above everything. Now, Jesus is expressing what he loves too. It's just a very different love, isn't it? Uh, in his anger here, he's, he's, he's communicating what he loves. He loves this man uh, who's suffering and made in the image of God. Uh, he loves mercy and compassion, and it's coming out. Uh, he loves God's law. He loves the glory of God, and it emerges uh, in his anger because those who threaten it, those who, who spit upon those things that Jesus loves, well, it makes him angry. Right? He's expressing, he's communicating what he, what he loves uh, okay, so maybe it's helpful to look at a couple other places in Scripture where Jesus gets angry. Right? What else does he get angry at? And what might that be saying about him uh, and, uh, and what he loves? Okay, well, we actually read two other passages this morning where you find Jesus getting angry. The first one that we read was Mark chapter 10. Uh, there we, we learned of the crowds bringing children to Jesus uh, so that Jesus could lay his hands on them and bless them and and the disciples are taking this in, and they start rebuking the crowds. 
probably mostly parents, rebuking the parents. Keep these kids away, right? Jesus doesn't have time for them. They're not, they're not important enough. He's too busy. Get, get out of here. And, and Jesus sees it. Well, we'll read what happens. Verse 14 of Mark 10. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. He was indignant. This is not okay. Keeping little ones, right? the meek, the humble, they are the very ones that the kingdom of God is for. And you're keeping them from me, the very embodiment of the kingdom, driving them away? That is not okay. This is wrong. And in the process, Jesus is communicating what it is he loves. He loves the humble. Uh, he loves the forgotten. Uh, he loves those that the world uh, thinks are, are not important enough. Uh, he loves them. So any, any threat, any spit upon that, he's, he's indignant. We also read from Mark chapter 11. This is probably the, uh, the episode in Jesus' life that you might first think of as uh, connected with the anger of Jesus, Jesus going into the temple. Uh, he, there he is, into the courts of the temple. Uh, it's the, the outer courts uh, where, where the whole idea was, this is where people could come to, to worship and to pray. Uh, especially in this court where the money changers were, it was the court of the Gentiles. This is the closest Gentiles could get to the temple. So it was, this was their place, the place where the nations could come and worship God. Only there's no space for that. Because what's this court of the Gentiles filled with? Uh, but, but, but merchants selling animals for sacrifice, changing currency, right? They're, they're profiteering. And clearly, Jesus is angry. Mark doesn't say anger, but... He certainly shows it as Jesus makes a whip out of cords and then drives them out uh, of, the, uh, of the temple courts. You see, he's, he's, he's communicating something there, right? This, this is not okay. The space that was meant for the, for the glory of God, for the worship of God, uh, space where, where the nations could come and worship, not, the, not idols that are destructive, but the true and living God, and you're keeping them from coming here? Jesus is angry. He's communicating again what he loves. He loves the worship of God. He loves the glory of God, the honor of God, and loves when people come and stream uh, to, to know and, uh, and worship this God. One more passage we'll mention, uh, and it's one we're going to look in more detail in, in John 11. Uh, but another interesting thing that Jesus gets angry at, uh, John 11. So this is the passage where Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. And it's, and it's several days later, and Jesus goes to the tomb, and he meets uh, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus takes in this scene, right? His, his good friend has died, dead in the tomb uh, for days, and there are the sisters that he also loves, and they're, and they're weeping in their grief, and he takes in, right, the, the, the intense, intense grief that death causes. He looks at the tomb and the, the, the picture and embodiment of death. And twice, John says, Jesus was deeply moved. That's how the ESV translates it. Deeply moved. 
it's the language for Jesus was indignant. Jesus was indignant. He was, he was angry. He looked at this scene of, of death and the, the tears that it caused and the ugliness of, of, of soul ripped from body and, and tomb. And, and he's, he's angry. He communicates something, doesn't he? Exactly what the Bible tells us, which is that death is an enemy. It's, it's ugly. It's, it's, it's an intruder in God's uh, creation. It, it poisons uh, and is part of the, the brokenness of sin that has come into the world. And it's not good. And Jesus here, taking that in, he communicates it with his, with his anger. So anger always communicates what you love. So as we look at Jesus, we get this window through his anger of what he cares most about. Uh, you look at the anger of what Jesus gets angry about, you see his, his passion for the glory of God, the worship of God, his, his love of mercy and welcome, his love of redemption and life out of death uh, for, for his people. So anger communicates. Anger also motivates <laughs> It motivates. Uh, all, all emotions do this. They, they, they spur us to act. Uh, but, but anger especially calls for action. Uh, and uh, and, and well, let me quote the, the book that I mentioned earlier. Uh, here's how the, how the authors put it, uh, speaking of anger. Uh, anger, quote, protects what it loves, punishes any who harm its beloved, and seeks to reverse the damage. Anger protects what it loves, punishes any who harm its beloved, and seeks to reverse the damage. Uh, so uh, if, uh, if, if you threaten bear cubs and mama bear catches you, she's going to attack because you are threatening her beloved. And she's going to seek to protect what she loves and punish any who harm the beloved. And of course, if you're a bear cub, that's a very good thing. It means life. It means protection. Uh, because mama bear gets angry. Uh, and, and you look at every instance of Jesus, uh, and you see that it's anger that's followed by action. Right? He, he does something. Uh, it's not just a feeling that stays inside. He does something. Uh, he okay. Let's let's go in reverse order for our examples. Jesus at the at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. Right, we're told he's indignant. He's angry at the ugliest of death. So he raises Lazarus from the dead. He reverses the damage. Uh, he, he he the damage of death. He he reverses it uh, to guard his his beloved. Jesus getting angry at the money changers. They're, right, they're keeping people from worshiping God, uh, so he acts to, to drive them out. Right? He's, he's protecting what he loves. He loves the worship of God. He loves the glory of God. So he protects what he loves and punishes those who harm the beloved. Jesus gets angry at the, at the disciples as they're, as they're rebuking parents for bringing their, bringing their children. And, well, he's angry, and then he acts, right? He, he chastises sharply the disciples, and, and then he insists, no, the children are coming, and, and he receives them, and he blesses them, right? So he, he protects uh, what he loves. 
the welcome of God, the humble of God. He protects what he loves and chastises those uh, who get in the way. And then there's our passage here in Mark 3. Right, Jesus takes in the hardness of heart of the Pharisees, and we're told he gets angry, right? They're despising this crippled man. They're, they're using him as an object to exalt uh, their own glory. He's angry, and then he does something. He calls the man forward. Uh, he, 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 he publicly, right in front of everybody, uh, announces, stretch out your hand. Everybody sees it. Everybody hears it. And, and we're told instantly the hand was restored. He's healed. And everybody gets to see it. Um, we're talking about feelings, emotions. How do, you, how do you think the Pharisees were feeling about this? All right. Uh, what, what, what do you guess their emotional response uh, to what Jesus just does with his anger? Uh, right? their, their whole scheme was to entrap Jesus. Uh, to expose him as a lawbreaker and 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 uh, and, and humiliate him, so they end up looking better. But what ends up happening? Well, they get exposed as lawbreakers and they get humiliated. Right? Their entire scheme backs, backfires on them. How do you think they respond emotionally? I bet you they're angry. Well, then you read verse six and you read about their action. Oh, they they look like they're really angry. Right? What do they do? Uh, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. We're going to kill him. Their anger motivates them, flows out into action. They're going to put together a plan to kill Jesus. Um, it, it's just that their, their love... Uh, it doesn't match Jesus' heart. The thing that they're, uh, they're guarding, their beloved that they're guarding, uh, is, is not something good because they're guarding their own glory, they're guarding their own, uh, their own greatness and self-exaltation, and they're going to punish anybody who gets in the way. It just happens to be Jesus. Uh, but it's the, same, it's the same dynamic. Thankfully, Jesus, our Savior, is so very different. His actions are motivated by a very different love. Uh, the love that's the very heart of God. Rescue, redemption, welcome, life, people made in his image. So anger motivates to action. Action. That's actually a good, good transition to, to, our, to our next point, which is Jesus for us. Uh, how, does, how, does, how does this whole subject uh, show us Jesus for us? Well, we could ask this question. What is, the, what is the climactic action that Jesus takes in his ministry, in his earthly ministry, the climactic action of his earthly life? Well, it's his going to the cross, willingly, actively, and, and, and dying there for us. Can, can you connect it to what we've been talking about? Uh, maybe we could get at it this way. What is the ultimate threat to God's beloved? Right? We, we, we said that's, that, that's, what, that's what, we, what, what anger does, what love does. It, it protects the beloved. Uh, it guards from, from threat to the beloved. Okay. Uh, for God's beloved, his, his children, those he, he, by mercy and grace, he pours his love on and sets apart with his love. Uh, what is the ultimate threat 
uh, to, to God's beloved, his children. Uh, the ultimate threat is, is not out there and the evil out there, as bad as that can be. The ultimate threat to God's beloved is the sin that's in here, isn't it? The ultimate threat that threatens uh, eternal loss to God's beloved is the sin that's in our hearts and the judgment that that sin deserves. That's the ultimate threat. And what does, what does Jesus do? He acts to protect his beloved. Uh, he acts by, by going to the cross for them, right? He fulfills the very plan, the very heart of the Father uh, to bear your sin. So that the wrath of God that, that we deserve for, for our sin... Uh, it, it is taken care of for, for, for our sin. Right? All those, all those twisted loves that we, we see in the Pharisees, right? that, 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 that sin right there, uh, you could describe it as a, as, as a twisted, uh, ugly love. Right? You see it in the Pharisees. As they're not loving the thing that God, things that God loves, instead, uh, they're loving uh, that which is ugly. Right, self-exaltation, no matter what it costs anybody else, uh, self-glory. Well, that that should remind us of us. That's that that that's where we struggle. That's where we live uh, to to go about life with our our hearts uh, attuned not to exalting God and His glory, but instead exalting ourselves, even if it costs and destroys uh, things and people around us. Right, we were, uh, and how often do we do it? Kind of like the Pharisees do it, seeing seeing the people in our world not not made in God's image uh, to, to to serve and love, but instead seeing them as as kind of pawns in our game. Oh yeah, that's right. They're here to accomplish my purpose of making myself look good and exalting myself and and my own glory. How often do we do the same thing that they the Pharisees were doing with this man? Maybe. Uh, maybe it's even in the very uh, the very subject of anger that that it comes out sinful destructive anger right uh, that, that that's poured out uh, because someone in our world uh, isn't on board with with our love of exalting ourselves somebody else got in the way uh, and so maybe it comes out in in anger of loud words Harsh, biting criticism, uh, maybe even comes out in, in, in violent actions. Uh, maybe it comes out in, in coldness, right? Cold silence because someone crossed you and you're silent, you're cold. Uh, it's anger. Is it anger that's righteous? How often with us as, as fallen sinners who have those those twisted loves of, of exalting ourselves, how often is that anger? It's just because someone got in the way of what I love and what I want. Uh, and, and, and we lash back uh, with either it's loud anger or maybe it's cold anger. Right, there's, there's the problem. There is, there is the sin that's in our hearts. There is the, the greatest threat. Uh, because, because unless that sin is dealt with and forgiven... Well, well that, that sin deserves judgment. Uh, and in comes Jesus, right? The plan of the Father uh, sends the Son, and the Son comes with the heart of the Father, 
And he sees the greatest threat to his beloved is this ugly sin in our hearts, and he acts to protect us from it. He acts to save us from us by going to the cross and bearing our sin. Think of it. He comes not to pour out the righteous anger of God, though we deserve it. He comes and he absorbs it. He absorbs the wrath of God that we deserve for our sin. All of it. So that, so that if, you, if you're connected to Christ by faith, it means, uh, it means there's, there's no wrath of God for your sin left. Because it all went on Jesus. And so whatever, uh, whatever, whatever we talk about anger in Jesus, there's nothing you need to fear there. Because all the, all the wrathful anger of Jesus, punishment for sin for you, it's already dealt with. Jesus has absorbed it in your place. But you've got to be connected to Jesus by faith, right? Uh, he, he's got to be your substitute. Um, there's a real sense... Okay, think about these Pharisees. Clearly, they are not uh, believing and trusting in Jesus. Well, they, these Pharisees, they actually have reason to be fearful of the anger of Jesus. Uh, because they're, they're stuck in their sin. And apart from some rescue, uh, someone bearing the guilt of that sin, uh, right? They, it's just them and judgment that they face. So there's a real sense in which they, they should be a little bit afraid. Uh, of the anger of Jesus. How about a lot afraid? Um, don't, don't let that be you. Right? If you, if, you, if you reject the Savior, you don't have one to bear that wrath of God for you. It's just you stuck in your sin uh, that deserves judgment. But here's this offer. Here's this free offer of, of, a, of one who bears it for you. That's why we receive and we rest upon Christ alone. And for those who do, it's, it's, it's life, it's forgiveness, it's salvation. It means, uh, as we think about anger in Jesus, it means there's nothing we need now fear with Jesus who, a Jesus who gets angry. We don't need to fear it. In fact, actually, it becomes a comfort to us. We don't need to fear it because the, the judgment uh, aspect of it, the wrath for sin, well, that's already taken care of. There's none left. We don't have to be afraid of that. Instead, the only thing, uh, the only aspect of, of anger that's, that's left is that which is going to guard, protect, and keep us. And actually, the anger of Jesus now becomes a source of comfort to us. Yeah, think about that. Think about it as a child of God. Uh, you don't just have Mama Bear watching over you. You don't just have Mama Bear watching over you. You have the almighty King of Kings and Lord of Lords watching over you. You are his cub, child. And he's watching everything. And he is very protective of those he loves. And so any, any threat, any harm that threatens the beloved, he notices. And he gets angry. And he will act to protect. That's, well, even some of the things we're mentioning, some of the, some of the evils we're, we're mentioning, Jesus getting angry at. You could, you could think of some of the episodes, things we've talked about. Uh, 
I, 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 these are things that, that touch our lives, right? So we talked about the, the pain and the ugliness of death and the ugliness that it causes, right? That's, that's our world. That's a pain that comes real close. Uh, how about people who have treated you like a, like a pawn in their game to exalt themselves? Uh, and, and regardless of the damage that it did, you were just a, a pawn in their scheme. That comes close. That, that, that's something that some of us have had to live with. Some of you have had to live with. And those are the evils that are in our world. And we said those are the evils that Jesus gets angry about. That he is not just Mama Bear. He is the Lord of Lords. And he notices his beloved being threatened by these very things. He notices, he cares, and he gets angry. And he acts. Partially in this life, he acts to, uh, to, to preserve and sustain his children, even through deep, deep, ugly valleys. He sustains his children all the way to the end. And some of you, that is your exact story. It's been a deep valley. But, but guess what? The King of Kings and Lord of Lords has held on to you. He's held on to you. Uh, and he promises he's going to hold on to you to, to the end, to that final day where there is the final act of Jesus, uh, the final work. He returns and he judges and banishes every evil. Right? That those evils, even that have bared down upon you, that, that he notices, that have caused hurt and harm, uh, that he cares about, that he's angry about, he's going to come back He's going to judge it, he's going to banish it, and he's going to wipe every tear from your eyes. That's, that's the Savior we have. That's the Jesus we have. It's Christ for us. It's also Christ in us. Uh, we, we've said this, that Jesus saves us, and then he empowers us to, to walk behind him. Uh, to uh, to follow in his footsteps, and that's that's true with anger too. Uh, that he's gonna he's gonna change us from uh, from 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 a, a heart and loves that are destructive to more and more hearts that loves that match his heart uh, in an emotional life that matches the matches his. And that's true. That's true with with anger. What God is calling us to and how He's changing us is not to be emotionally flat. Uh, or even just emotionally up here, right? Always upbeat, uh, right? The, we look at Jesus and we see, no, it, it's going to be a full-orbed emotional life. It's going to uh, have the emotional highs and the emotional, uh, what we may think of as, as negative or sadder emotions. It's going to be a full-orbed uh, emotional life that he's going to transform us into. And it's going to be dealing with things like anger. So how might he do that? What, what what might he look for and be working in uh, for us with, with the anger that we struggle with? Um, well, I, can, I, can I talk about three things that he, that I think we, he encourages us to do uh, and his work's going to empower us to do? Uh, kind of three steps. Uh, pay attention, uh, ask questions, and then fix your eyes on Jesus. Just real quick. Pay attention, ask questions, fix your eyes on Jesus. Pay attention. Uh, a little insider tip 
from, from counselors who know far more about this than I do, that I've talked to, read, read of. Uh, the insider tip is angry people never think they're angry. Angry people never think they're angry. Which means you and I are going to be are, are going to be blind to our anger more often than not. And so we're going to have to we're going to have to if God's going to be working and changing us, he's going to be having us pay more attention. Uh, so so if a difficult thing crops up, something hard suddenly it, it strikes. Oh, did did my voice just jump up in volume, 30 decibels? Am I talking really, really fast now? Before it was down, I was talking. Now I'm talking really, really fast and really, really loud. Uh, is, my, is my pulse racing? Are my shoulders tight? Is my head pounding? Are my fists clenched? Yeah, you might be angry. Am I having a conversation in my head? Over? And over and over and over and over and over again, yeah, you might be angry. So, so pay attention and then ask questions. Uh, right? With the Lord's help. Why? Lord, help me understand why I'm angry here. Why am I angry here? Uh, you can in particular ask this question: what is it that my heart is really loving in this moment? Right? What is it? That's, that's being threatened, and, and I'm seeking to guard my beloved. What is that beloved that I'm guarding? Right? What am I striving to protect? And, and does it really match the, the, the loves of, of Christ? Right? Does it match mercy and, and redemption and love and, and God's glory? Or is it more a love of myself or a love of control or a, or a love of my glory that somehow is being threatened and I'm going to act to protect it? So ask questions um, and then fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. See Jesus' work to save you from your sinful anger, uh, to, to, to forgive you of that as you call upon him. See his work then uh, in your heart through his spirit, through his word, uh, to transform you. This is what, he's, what he does. This is what he gives strength to do. Right? He blazes the trail so that we can walk after him with that same spirit that he has. So you're not stuck. So, so the spirit of Christ is, is in you and on you so that you can more and more be like him. Right? Pay attention. Ask questions. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Uh, and, and that's really a good place to stop. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's, the, that's what we're seeing again and again. Uh, it's the core of the Christian life from beginning to end. Uh, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Because the more we do, the more we see where our hope is, whether it's Christ for us and then flowing out Christ in us. Uh, fix your eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ways that you powerfully love your people, uh, the ways you are working in and, uh, and working for uh, your beloved. And we praise you, Lord, because it's mercy and grace. Uh, you know we don't deserve it, but you are at work, and we thank you for it. Lord, enable us to, to keep our eyes on Jesus and, and have more and more that hope and that peace 
uh, that comes in him uh, and more and more changed into his likeness. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.